Whether you want to start, grow, or save your business, all the help, advice, and encouragement you need is right here on Business Bootcamp Podcast. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Business Bootcamp Podcast. I'm Mike Andes, and today we're going to be doing a little Q&A. I got a question coming on uh, in from the, the website, actually an email from someone by the name of Ellie, and they have some questions, and I'm going to read you the question and give my answer. Uh, make sure, if you haven't already, to join the book launch team. Uh, that's going to be This will be the last week that you can do that, uh, and then in a few more weeks, you're going to be getting that book and before it's actually launched uh, and so if you've been following the show you know it's the millennial millionaire uh, the young entrepreneur's guide to breaking out of the middle class so i'm writing that book right now and if you want to join the book launch team make sure you head on over to businessbootcamppodcast.com slash book all right it's 100 free and i won't spam you <laughs> all right so um let's get started today um there came a question in and i'm going to read it to you it's pretty long but i think it's a it's a good question for a lot of small business owners especially service uh, based uh kind of businesses and so here we go uh let's see here ellie writes in he says what do you do when you when a customer fails to pay after services have been delivered has a customer of your lawn care business ever failed to pay after you invoice them and if so what did you do I'm a graphic designer and have been burned a few times by customers who pay the initial down payment outlined in the service agreement, but then do not pay for the final payment that that is due. I hold up my end of the deal and release the final graphic file to them or the printer, and then I have to hound them for payment after 30 days goes by. And these are the either and these are people. F- and these are from people who liked my work. I feel like because they know I'm just one person and not a big design agency, they can get away with not paying. Before requiring an initial payment, I actually got stiff for the full amount a few times. And these clients came recommended to me f- through mutual business contacts. Is the solution to charge by the project, not hourly, and require full payment up front? I fear that tactic may scare off my customers when I'm trying to drum up business now that I'm taking my design business full time. Small claims court sounds like a lot of aggravation and a hassle that I'd like to avoid I'd like to avoid, especially since customers are not always in the same state as me. Thanks for any insights you can provide and thanks for so much for the podcast. I'm not a millennial, but I get a lot of inspiration and ideas from your show. Can't wait for your book, Ellie. So Ellie, um I hope this helps a lot of people out there. First of all, the reason you want to make sure that you your collections process is in order is it's about cash flow. So if you constantly have a big accounts receivable, it's hard to cash flow a business correctly and to do it effectively. And uh, so, like, you definitely want to be making sure that you you don't have you know forty five sixty days where people have before they actually pay pay for uh, their product or service that you give them. And so there's a couple things that I would I would share. And what we've done is we keep credit card fi- um, for for our customers, especially the ones that are residential. Like we've never had a problem with commercial um, accounts because usually a property management company is paying that. Um, and so I don't worry too much about them. But for our residential accounts, we require people to keep a, car- a credit card on file. And so what that does is if they don't pay, I can just charge their card. Um, and it also, it, it like I, I tell them, you know, I just have to have a credit card on file. But if they want to pay by check, that's perfectly fine. Um, but we have to have it on file, and people are okay with that. 
Um, and as long as they stay up with their bills, they're not going to ever have to uh, worry about us charging their credit card. And so I've used Stripe. Stripe is a really good website for storing credit card information and encrypts it all. You can keep it yourself, but there's, there's certain laws and it's not really safe to keep people's credit card information um, written down or like on a program. And so I would suggest making sure it's encrypted correctly. And so Stripe is a really good website. It's a little more expensive as far as processing fees. But like other services like PayPal, Square, these other ones that allow you to store the information, um, or sorry, they they might not might not allow you to store the information, but you could just you know constantly put the number in uh, each month or whenever. Uh, if it's just like a design for like Ellie, you could just get their card information at the beginning, charge them fifty percent, and then keep their card on file uh, for if they don't pay afterwards. Or you could just do everything via credit card and so just tell them hey I need a credit card you charge at the beginning for half and then you charge the the next half at the end um, and or you could just keep it as a, a means of protecting yourself if someone doesn't pay the reason I like stripe is it doesn't like I'm not paid or endorsed or anything by stripe but like um but the reason I like them is they only require the credit card number and expiration date uh, there's other services I've used but they require as I think Square does too still they require like either zip code like if you're doing a credit card transaction uh, that's not in person with a, like a physical card a lot of companies will require like a zip code or a CVV the security code whereas Stripe just just has credit card number and your uh, your expiration date and so that's really nice because a lot of times people they might have a zip code that's different than their billing I mean their their physical address and you'll get that wrong and it won't let you put a process uh, the transaction or the CVV is wrong or something crazy like that and so um, th that's definitely a awesome way to do it is use stripe and so you just need a card number and and uh, expiration date and you can just put their make a customer profile save it in their that card to their profile and then if you ever need to charge it you can just you know charge it like that um, one thing I did want to say Ellie is if you haven't you, you probably haven't listened to the podcast super long because uh, you you would know that I definitely would recommend not charging by the hour and charging by the project. First of all, I think you can charge more by the project than by hourly. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't require full payment up front because I know as a customer, I would never pay someone, a designer especially, a bunch of money before they give me anything. Um, and so I would definitely not charge the whole thing up front. And I would definitely charge by the project. And what's hard about the project thing is it's hard to standardize because every single client, especially in design, is going to take different varying levels of time and effort and design work. And some people are going to be more picky and want more, more and more revisions. Some people are going to be pretty uh, easy. Uh, and so I think what you need to do is standardize kind of as much as you can. So you could say, you know, if you have like, three different types of packages for logos you could have you know, the standard the deluxe and the premium and for each one of those you have different uh, services so for like the standard one it could be uh, you know a logo uh, and uh, you know one revision and then you know the, sta the the next step up could be something a little more in depth like more time spent on the design phase with more revisions and then possibly putting it on the internet or something like like on their website or something like that or creating different uh, files for them and then you know premium same thing and so you just make packages and then people can choose and then that way if someone is like 
oh, I want more revisions, you say, well, you only got the standard package. You can upgrade to the next one, but it's up to you. Uh, and so that way you can kind of standardize everything. And we found that, in, you know, I'm in the service industry, that when you when you charge by the project or by the job, you make a lot more money because you don't have to give them your hourly rate. Like, Ellie, if you went out and told people, you know, I'm going to charge $80 an hour, a lot of people would laugh in your face or, you know, or go to some freelancer online for a lot cheaper. But if you told them, you know what, I can do it for $400, and in your mind, you know it's only going to take, you know, three or four hours, but, um, so technically you're making way more per hour, but um, for them, the value that you create for them, if you create an awesome product, is more than the $400. And so I think a lot of times when you give an hourly rate, people kind of get tripped up by that. Um, just because you have to charge more because you have overhead and you have other business expenses and they don't take that into account. They just see a huge figure per hour. But if you give them the amount total, they they, they, don't, they seem to not really care as much because they, they, the value that you're providing is beyond that dollar amount. And they compare it to the dollar amount instead of the dollar per hour amount. And for like us, you know, I'll take someone, like we just hired someone this past week and Today he is out working and he will be essentially gaining, making the business between eighty and hundred dollars an hour, and you know he he gets under twenty dollars an hour. But the thing is, uh, if I told if I if I told my clients that he's working for today that he's making like eight, they're paying him eighty to hundred dollars an hour, uh, or paying the company that, you know, they would probably be you know kind of uh, unhappy with that or think that's unfair, but. When I tell them, you know, oh, it's going to be, you know, $600 and you're going to all this done in your yard, you're going to get trimmed up uh, your trees and you get some mulch and some, uh, you know, pull these weeds and trim up this and all that. When they, when they see all of that, then they don't mind. But I know that on an hourly basis, he's making a lot more, but I just give them the project cost because uh, it just, it's just easier for them to, like, because when they're going into it, they don't know how long I'm going to take. Same thing with you, Ellie. They don't know how long you're designing. You could be really slow uh, or you could, you know, be way too methodical or picky and charge them way too much because you're charging by the hour. Whereas if you give them an upfront, you know, cost right exactly how much going to be, they can budget it better for themselves and they'll like that. And um, you know, and you know, of course you'll have the occasional person that will take advantage of you charging by the project and try to attack things on. But I think where what what comes into play there is your systems and making sure that before you get started, you have very uh, clear uh, roles of like what 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 the project goals are what's going to happen what kind of work you're going to do for them how much work you're going to do for them as far as the product is concerned not so much time but how much of what the product's going to look like how many revisions things like that as far as design is concerned um, and then last thing you mentioned small claims court uh, Ellie and I know I know for us and I know, I know every kind of place is probably a little bit different but I know for in our area we have lawyers and companies that will take small claims and they won't charge you anything unless they win the case. And so if you have, you know, paperwork that's signed or emails and hard copies of evidence that someone owes you money and then also that you sent them files and you did your portion and that even, you know, if they said they were happy with it or whatever and you kept kept all that information and get submitted to these com these companies, they will typically go after the person, send them, you know, a legally binding, uh, you know, kind of threat or whatever you want to call it, uh, collections, and they'll kind of do that whole process for you, and you only pay them if you, 
if you uh, win the case and you pay a percentage, that percentage is somewhat high, but the thing is you don't pay them if they don't get it. So it's better than nothing. It, it varies. I've seen every, anywhere between 10 and 30% that they'll take for small claims uh, if they win the case. And it just depends on the amount. So like if you're, if you're going to have a $10,000 case, um, they might only take 10 or 15%. Uh, if it's a smaller case, they might take 20, 30%. But I would definitely look into that. Look into your local area and see if there's small claims uh, businesses that will only charge you if they win the case. And so I'd say if you know if you've emailed someone several times or tried to call them or make contact with them, they're still not paying, and you don't have their credit card information. You know that's kind of an, an option for you. We haven't had a big issue with that because we do keep the credit cards on file, and I make sure those are valid continually. So if if their uh, credit card expires even if they're paying by check on a regular basis I make sure that they pay uh, I mean that they have a credit card on file so that that's important and I think this is all comes back to uh, the the importance of making sure your cash flow is is, is, is positive and when someone you go into business and 50% of their monthly revenue is tied up in accounts receivable it's just very hard to project um, when you can buy equipment when you can pay your your employees when you can do a big marketing uh, campaign because you don't know how much money is going to come in the bank or like how many people are going to pay that week and so it's tough and so I, I really found that keeping a credit card on file for a small business is really effective uh, when you're dealing with business to business b2b uh, larger commercial accounts and things like that typically this isn't something you have to worry about but if you're dealing with uh, individual clients and residential kind of uh, on that kind of a basis then I would uh, definitely uh, definitely recommend keeping the card on file and I, like I said I rec recommend Stripe and uh, that's that's about it for today everyone's a short podcast but I hope you got something out of it it's important especially for service-based business to keep that cash flow uh, you know continually coming in because your expenses are going to be going out like right like when you write a check for an employee they were going to cash it within a day or two if you write a check or you know you pay a vendor they're going to you know you're going to be paying for that within a day or two so the sooner you can get payment for the services that you do the better or else you're going to have this massive gap and some sometimes people have profitable businesses but because their collections because their accounts receivable is so sloppy they end up running into debt every single month just trying to stay up with the bills or they have a big line of credit which you know is is a pain to be paying interest on so that's it for today everyone make sure you head on to business bootcamp podcast com slash book join the launch team this will be the last week you can do that and in a few weeks i'm going to give the launch team that book that they can review look at it and uh, get on the webinar which is just for the launch team it's going to be a live webinar i'm going to answer all the questions that you have from the book on you know all the topics that we discuss from housing to personal finances to education and you know what a millennial should be doing a millennial millionaire so make sure you check out the book get on the launch team and i look forward to having you on the webinar that will be just for that launch team on the day of the launch which is going to be early march so that's it for today everyone stay tuned until next time this is episode 81 on the business Bootcamp podcast my name is mike andes i'm your host and i'm signing off <laughs>